0: Yeah, it's just about to say you and I both have very strong cancer and virgo energy in our charts and um you know both of us throughout the evolution of our friendship and our inner work we have done a lot of work on setting boundaries and I always say that boundaries means that I want a relationship with you. You know, if I set a boundary, I want you in my life. <laughs>
1: Hi, everyone. This is Andrew Rimby. Uh, This is a very special episode. It's not even I don't even want to. It's an episode, but it's just a treat, I would say, for you all, because I'm joined with my friend, Sarah. Um, And Sarah is going to actually read my birth chart. So Sarah has really gotten into astrology and I've kind of seen you, Sarah, flourish into this over the last, I would say, since the pandemic. Wow, thank um, you. Yeah, I remember we were in Port Jeff, um, sitting outside, I and mean, when you were actually reading through uh, my chart or you were reading through the different astrological signs. So it's like so fortuitous and meant to be that we're now here together. Um, you really manifested this. And I want everyone to know where to follow Sarah first. Um, it is at North Node. N-O-R-T-H-N-O-D-E dot alignment. So at northnode.alignment is her Instagram. And then I'm going to let you, Sarah, do the birth chart reading and just release, you know, I'm not guiding an interview. This is um, for me to just take in everything that you're doing. So I really appreciate this.
0: It's my pleasure, Andrew. All right. So... Do you want me to share my screen or is that not necessary?
1: Uh yeah, sure. If you want to share your screen, I actually if you're listening to the audio everyone out there, if you're interested in what a birth chart reading is, I um I'm going to release this for free on our Patreon. So everyone can actually watch this video, Sarah, uh for free on our Patreon. Uh so yeah, let me Sarah's going to share uh, the screen and you should be good to go, Sarah.
2: All right.
0: All right. Are you able to see your chart up here?
1: Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Perfect.
0: And before we get started, I just want to make sure that all of your information looks correct. Birth time 1101 PM, September 21st, 1992 in New Jersey. Yep,
1: yeah, that's the town. <laughs>
0: Perfect. I, excellent. So, um, let me ask you, I always, um, have clients answer this. What is your foundational knowledge in regards to astrology?
1: I would say that I know about being a Virgo. I know the main astrological signs and I know personalities, especially with Virgos. I know about, um, the independent spirit, the assertiveness in a way, kind of knowing your energy and knowing that you have a pathway. Um, But I know that I'm almost on the cusp. So I don't know as much about like the Virgo Leo, like what that could mean for me.
0: I'm so excited to get into this. So before I get into the sun and moon sign, I always like to start with the ascendant. And for folks who may not know, the Ascendant is the same thing as the rising sign. And the rising sign is not a planet. It is basically um, the astrological sign on the eastern horizon when a person was born. And it has to do a lot with one's physical body, outward style, uh, one's first impression. So, Andrew, you are actually a Gemini rising. Did you know this?
1: Yeah. Yeah, this is all probably going to be a surprise to me.
0: I'm so excited to get into Mm -hmm. this. So Gemini is a mutable air sign that is ruled by the planet Mercury. And Mercury is also the ruler of Virgo, which I will get into um, very briefly. But I just wanted to talk about the significance of the ascendant or the rising sign because it is a very sensitive point in one's chart. That's why when I do these chart readings, I always ask um, for your birth time and for it to be exact as possible. I'll give a personal example. My rising sign is zero degrees Virgo. Had I been born, and I've checked, had I been born five minutes earlier, I would have been a Leo rising, and I'm, I'm so not a Leo rising. So that's why I always make sure that your birth time is, ex- is ex- exact as possible, because that ascendant is um, very sensitive. Um, mm. Any questions?
1: No, no, this sounds good. All
0: right. So to talk more about Gemini, Gemini is very mercurial. Gemini is also um about teaching and the Gemini Sagittarius axis is all about teaching and learning so it it makes sense that you are a Gemini rising and your chart ruler so basically since mercury is the ruler of Gemini your chart ruler is your libra mercury which i will get into um shortly
1: okay so is the ascendant is there like a hierarchy sarah of like is ascendant more forms more of your personality or not necessarily
0: Hmm. that's a great question andrew i take a pretty holistic approach to astrology i know that in a lot of pop astrology um is based more on your sun sign. And I always say, you know, we are so much more than just our sun sign. So I like to take a look at the sun, the moon, the rising all together and see what kind of picture it paints. Because also taking a look at your rising sign also shows where your houses are. So for example, your rising sign is at 22 degrees Gemini. So in your first house of self, you have beginning with that Gemini energy, and then you also have your Cancer Mars in your first house, which I will get to. A little note on the houses, because I know some folks can get confused on the houses, and that's totally fine. There are 12 astrological signs from Aries to Pisces, and basically each house corresponds to each zodiac sign. So for example, the first house is associated with more of that Aries energy and the 12th house would be associated with more of that Pisces energy. Um, uh, do you want me to explain okay. that further or? I
1: mean, when you when I hear the houses, I always think of Hera the musical and the Aquarius uh, opening song. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they talk about the houses a lot, but yeah, so that makes more sense. So each house, there's 12 houses. And each Mm -hmm. each house corresponds to the main 12 astrological signs.
0: Mm -hmm. So going, linking that back to your Gemini rising. So when people meet you, um, their first impression of you might be very um, communicative, um, very talkative. You definitely do have the gift of gab. Um, Gemini is also a very mutable sign. So can be um, a little flighty, um, can change their mind often. Does um, that any of that resonate?
1: Well, I would definitely say the mutability. Like, would that also resonate with different uh, situations or different settings that I would be in? hmm Yeah, because I definitely feel that there are settings that I'm pretty good at understanding the overall scene of something and then trying yes. to um, integrate myself into that Absolutely. place. Absolutely,
0: and Gemini is all about seeing all sides of scenarios. And like you said, that mutability, that adaptability, um, you're kind of like a chameleon. You know, um, You're able to adapt to different spaces that you're in very easily.
1: That makes sense. And so Ascendant, in a way, is what people pick up on first.
0: Yeah, it's more your outward style, um, your first impressions when people first get to know you.
1: Yeah, well, the communication, the talkativeness, probing questions is something that, um, like even you being here with me right now, um, is demonstrative, I feel, of that. I do think, though, there's a part of me that is hesitant sometimes in how I communicate, like not always jumping in right away.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: So yeah, I'm curious to get into the other aspects of the signs.
0: Absolutely. And I'm so excited to get into, especially your sun and moon, because I did allude to this, your sun and moon are very powerful. And Mm -hmm. if you take a look at the degrees both your sun and your moon are at the final degree. And mm-hmm. in astrology, we call this the anoretic degree, uh, meaning that there is there can be um, fame associated with these degrees. Um, fate, a lot of circumstances in your life can be fated. It's like completing a chapter, starting a new chapter. It's like this karmic completion. I would make the argument that there is also old soul energy and that final degree really gives an extra emphasis. So there's going to be an extra emphasis on your sun, which is your outwards identity, more of your ego, and then the moon, which is more, you know, your inner emotions or it, so to speak.
1: Okay. Okay. So is the sun, so the sun is Virgo.
0: Correct. You're saying that
1: it's the last degree it could be in.
0: Yes. So your sun is at 29 degrees of Virgo. So I personally don't do cusps, but yes, you are very close to being a Libra sun, but you are not a Libra sun.
1: (laughs) Okay. Okay. Oh, I said Leo by accident. You do have Libra energy in your
0: chart. Sorry.
1: Okay. No, sorry. Before I said Leo, that's a different, when is Leo? I'm trying to remember.
0: So we are currently in Leo season right now.
1: Okay. Okay. Um,
0: so it is end of July to end of August. And then we have Virgo season.
1: Okay, so Leo, Virgo, Libra is the order. Okay. Okay. Correct. Thank you. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So are you ready to get into your sun?
1: Oh yeah, I'm ready.
0: Perfect. So your sun is at 29 degrees of Virgo. Oh no, what did I do? <laughs> okay, here we are. And your sun, if you take a look at my cursor, your sun is in the fourth house and it is actually on your fourth house cusp. And this yeah. is a predominant angle. It is called the, I'm going to butcher this, I moon coli. It's opposite from your midheaven, which is your highest point of the chart. So you can think of the highest point of the chart. Oh no. I apologize. It's not, it's, um, he's, he's that. it is in your fourth house, but it is near the fifth house. Um, okay. apologies. Um, so your midheaven is over here and then the IC is here. Okay. Um, just for all the visual folks out there. Um, that's always why I like to share the birth chart. Um, so yes, your son is in Virgo and I'll talk about Virgo before I get into the house. So Virgo is similar to Gemini. it is a mutable Earth sign and similar to Gemini it is also ruled by the planet Mercury. So some traits of Virgo are they're very detail oriented um critical, meticulous. there is definitely that perfectionist energy um, there can be potential for neuroticism, um, pickiness and attention um to detail and because it is at that final degree there's almost like that extra oomph factor
1: i see okay so it's um wait what was the what what i might have gotten confused sarah but there was something you said about um fame um fame that's the sun that's the virgo energy so
0: the 29th degree the 29th um degree.
1: Okay. yes
0: is and can be associated with
1: fame and wealth <laughs> okay so basically fame and fortune okay mm-hmm. but like is it like this is where i would ask is that an egotistical is it a negative or can it be Mm -hmm. a positive of wanting to amplify a mission, like humanitarian?
0: A great question. And something that I always stress is that nothing in astrology is inherently good or bad. It's how we utilize that energy. So, Mm -hmm. um, for example, um, Donald Trump, his rising sign is 29 degrees of Leo and Mm -hmm. Leo's love attention. And that kind of speaks for
1: itself, if you know what I mean, so. So it depends, like you're saying, when you know this knowledge, like what you're reading, what you're providing me right now, this integrative approach that you're doing. Correct. It's helping me understand the energy and understand my potential with the energy, like what I can do with this Mm, and be aware of
0: it. I love what you said integrative approach very holistic again you know not focusing on just your sun sign or you know just your moon sign because i believe that all of these planets and angles work in you know symbiosis with one another and we need to take a look at the big picture because there are a lot of moving pieces that are involved and also for example your sun and your moon Um, They make a sextile aspect, meaning that your identity and your emotions actually work very well together. Um, There are certain aspects in astrology, like the conjunction, the trine, the sextile, and then like difficult aspects like the square and the opposition. And it's basically how those energies um, interact with each other. So there is that positive, very flowing relationship with your earth sun, and your water moon. Uh
1: okay. Okay, and is everyone's chart like would everyone have the same number of houses that my oh, chart does?
3: Everyone's
0: birth chart does have 12 houses. However, sometimes I use Placidus system. I know some astrologers use equal house. That's a conversation for another podcast episode. But sometimes houses can be like physically bigger than others. So yes, everyone does have 12 houses in their birth chart. Correct.
1: Okay. Okay. But like I'm seeing with all my lines, like I don't, some are much more like there's multiples of some. And the degrees, like I can see in the top, they don't really touch those houses as much.
0: Right. So you do have an empty 10th house, 11th house, and 12th house. Um, We all do have some empty houses, but that doesn't mean that we don't embody that energy. Um, For I can give an example in my own birth chart. I have an empty 12th house in Leo, but... It's also significant to look at transits, uh, synastry charts, which is basically the relationship with you and another person, and then yeah. rulerships. So even though I have an empty Leo 12th house, the sun is the ruler of Leo. So then I would look at where my sun is, then it's in Cancer in my 11th house. So we all we all embody all 12 signs of the Zodiac, even if we don't have any pla- any signs in that planet. Does that make sense?
1: No, that makes sense. It's not okay. like, oh, because I don't have anything in this house, I'm devoid of that energy. Yeah. Okay.
0: Exactly. Okay, that makes sense.
1: That makes sense. Perfect.
0: Um, so going back to your sun in Virgo, it is in your fourth house, and the fourth house is a Cancer house. Cancer is the fourth zodiac sign. So... Your son, which is your identity, we establish Virgo traits, Virgo characteristics. Your son is in your fourth house of family and home, meaning that you express your identity, that Virgo identity, through family relationships and home life.
1: Mm. That makes sense. I'm a very... um anyone who follows me on social media or just my own life, I feel that I strive to really be present with my parents and I'm an only child and I really love the connection we have. And like that to me is uh, so meaningful and worthwhile. I really make that a part of my everyday, my awareness of connecting to my parents
3: especially so but like
1: there is an energy of me feeling like whether it's my apartment or even if i'm in a hotel room i have to feel that it's organically mine like that right. my energy is in there it's safe. Comfortable. very comfortable yes
0: this yes. cancer yes. is the crab so and i'm gonna get into that with your moon in just a second but we we need to have that comfort
1: oh yeah no i need um I feel I have a certain aesthetic wherever I land that it just has to feel part of who I am. Like even if it's, I bring things from my place like a mantra calendar or a candle to Mm. my parents. Like then it feels part of my um, comfort, part of um, what I need to get the day going. So that's interesting. That does resonate. Yeah.
0: I'm so glad. And it that ties in perfectly with your moon because your moon is in cancer. And as we established, not only is your sun in the fourth house, which is a cancer house, your moon is in cancer, and the zodiac sign of cancer is ruled by the moon. Did you know that?
1: No, no, I didn't know that. <laughs> Oh, wow.
0: And yeah, so your moon is at 29 degrees Cancer. So again, just like we established with your sun, with that anoretic faded degree, um, you are going to be very sensitive um, and a lot of feelings and emotions, again, to tie it to your sun, related to the home family need for, again, it's the moon, more emotional security. Um, does that resonate?
1: LGBT stories are universal, but each one speaks to the individual heart and soul of the writer telling it. Do you have a story to tell? Or have you been moved recently by an LGBT book, film, painting, television show, or other form of media? Then the Gay and Lesbian Review wants to hear from you. The GNLR believes in bringing awareness to queer art and artists through reviews, commentary, and thought pieces in which the author relates their personal lives to a particular piece of art, a novel, a movie, or what have you. In addition to the print magazine, the GNLR also publishes articles on its blog as well as personal essays on its popular Here's My Story section on glreview.org. That's G-L-R-E-V-I-E-W dot org. To learn more about submitting an article for the G-N-L-R, visit their writer's guidelines. The link is located at the bottom of the homepage. And if you have any questions, email publisher Stephen Hemrick. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N dot H-E-M-R-I-C-K at glreview.org. The GNLR and its readers can't wait to see what you have to say. I definitely feel that um, when it comes to even um, a personal, like what can upset me easily or when I feel that there's not a not resolving family conflict.
0: Mm, is I get that. Yeah.
1: Much more eats more away at me. But friend conflict too really hurts as well. Yeah,
0: our chosen family.
1: Yes. But I would say when it comes to boundaries of work, I have a better time I feel with work conflict than I do when it comes to very intimate uh, family mm. friendship relations. Like if something mm. doesn't feel resolved, I'll think a lot about even, oh, am I showing up for different family members or Mm -hmm. why are we not connected all as a family really hurts um, to not see everyone together.
0: I completely understand that. Um, And that makes a lot of sense because your cancer moon is in your second house. And the second house is associated with uh, Taurus, the second zodiac sign, all about um, value, um, stability, um, your feelings and emotions related to, you know, the home and family, as I mentioned, you know, that need for security through also financial and material, right? Um, Comforts is very, very important for you, the, the more like material possessions as well. Okay.
1: well, yeah, I definitely um, feel that when it comes to arts and culture or there's certain things, my books or um, but even like right now, I'm going through a major transition of like wanting my podcast to succeed, but also like not knowing what kind of teaching jobs or what's going to happen with my college profile. Just finishing my PhD, I feel like this is a big transition moment. Yes,
0: and I'm is. trying to
1: let go of that financial pressure, but it does enter my mind a lot.
0: Of course, you're a Virgo.
1: No. <laughs> no, no, it's true. It's true.
0: Yeah. No, I I completely get that. And that's that's human, you know, that that's normal.
1: Yeah. So I feel that there's now I'm being more aware of what do I need to ground myself? Like, what do I need to just let the universe guide me creatively, especially of just Mm -hmm. knowing that the pathway will open and I'm doing the work that I love and it's happening, but I just have to let go of not knowing the final outcome but that's a very yes, tough that lesson is a big thing
0: that I have also learned in my spiritual journey you know let go of the outcome let go of all the minutiae and the logistics mm-hmm. and you know the energy that we put out is also such a big role in how we think about ourselves how we talk to ourselves when no one is listening and everything will, work in the way that it is intended to without that external force if that makes sense
1: yeah and I feel that I need to take care of myself first but I wasn't Mm -hmm. doing that for the longest time and I almost I still have to remind myself that I'm not being selfish when I take care of my own well-being
0: self-care is not selfish self-care is so so important
1: yeah okay well it's definitely i'm sure the transition type energy will come up again
0: oh oh yeah so i want to talk about your mercury and your mercury over here is in libra uh see this glyph over here at five degrees And it is in your fifth house of pleasure, um, self-expression. It is um, corresponded with the sign of Leo. And Mm -hmm. your Mercury is very powerful because, as I had mentioned earlier, it is your chart ruler. So with the sign of Libra, Libra is a cardinal air sign. It is um, ruled by the planet Venus. And basically, with your Libra Mercury, you are going to be very diplomatic. You're going to be very diplomatic in your communication because Mercury rules communication, an excellent mediator, excellent negotiator. You're very good at hearing people out, even if you don't necessarily agree with their viewpoints. Um, A lot of Libras, do tend to be lawyers. I know Judge Judy's um, Very, very level-headed and calm and balanced and being able to see both sides.
1: Yeah, I, that definitely, I feel that I'm able to listen to those who disagree with my view, um, to just understand where they're coming from and try to be open-minded to it even though I know it might really go against my belief I think though when it's done in a hostile way I react very I get very upset but also sometimes I feel like I can mirror their energy of negativity if I'm oh, not careful I
0: I'm right there with you you know we need to when they go low, we go high type of thing And I'm uh, just taking a look at my notes um, with that fifth house placement. um again, uh, that Leo has, you're definitely not going to be shy about expressing your opinions. And again, with that fifth house Mercury, there is that deep need of mental and more intellectual pleasure and stimulation. And I see that with, your educational studies and your podcast and all of the work that you put out for the collective
1: yeah no I definitely feel that I need to every day be doing something that's is part of a conversation but is for the public's consumption like that it's not just for my own Like, it is my passion, but it needs to resonate more broadly. Like, I I don't want to have it sequestered just for myself.
0: Right, right.
1: Yeah, and I think I was, I've reacted a lot and put a boundary towards projects that have felt too isolating or too... um, part of the status quo, like patting each other on the back. I've really, um, it's actually starting to make me, I was going to say nauseous, but it it makes me feel, I think, upset when I realize that people are acting out of ego and just for their own self-interest, but who is it benefiting? Like, I really, there's something in me that really wants it to be community-minded.
2: Hmm.
0: It makes a lot of sense. I I see that.
1: Wow. Yeah. I, I just, I speaking love astrology. Because it's yeah, such but, a conversation. It is. And well, and, like, and the speaking out makes sense to me of being um, blunt. No, well, not even blunt, but like saying, speaking out, especially when I feel it's unjust. Like I feel like in my mind, I weigh how I speak out and I weigh if it's, necessary or not but even something small i guess on the grand scale but today when i just came here for the birth chart reading after finishing a run there were these young uh guys who like were very innocent but they kept like applauding me in the village when i was running by them like young high schoolers like they would be like applauding me and You know, in Port Jeff, it gets very busy in the summer, but like they did it once. And I was like, oh, that's cute. I was like, thanks, guys. Then they do it twice. Then it's like the fourth time. And I finally just to my to them, I said, "Okay, guys, I heard you enough's enough. Like, please just let me run in peace. Yeah. And I felt like I had to set a boundary, like even though it wasn't something negative, it was just becoming irritating to me of like not letting me be in my own space
0: yeah absolutely let's get into your mars um and your mars is over here in your first house and what is interesting is even though you are a gemini rising your Mars is still in in cancer in your first house of identity. Mm-hmm. And something that I will add is, oh, I skipped Venus.
2: Uh-huh. Let's go
0: back to Venus. Apologies, audience. So mm-hmm. I'm so glad I caught that because I want to talk about your Venus. <laughs> mm-hmm. And is you? it
1: true like Venus... Like we do have the Greek mythical background. So is Venus, it is the love pleasure house? Mm,
0: Exactly. I'm so glad you just mentioned that. So in astrology, yes, there's definitely correspondence with mythology. So when I think of Venus, I think of, as you just said, you know, Aphrodite, more of the feminine polarity of pleasure, um, love, also value and Venus rules both Taurus and Libra. So your Venus in Libra is very strong because Venus enjoys being in the sign of Libra. And just like your Mercury in Libra, it also sits in your fifth house. Um, So there is this need for harmonious and balanced relationships um similar with your Libra and Mercury. and with that fifth house energy, you know that creative expression and there can be um a little bit of a flair for the dramatics just because mm-hmm. it is in that fifth house,
1: yeah, that makes
0: yeah,
1: yeah there's definitely dramatic or sensational aspects of my personality. Yeah, I like I like a little. Well, I mean, I did theater, but I feel that I find avenues to express it without necessarily. I'm always worried I'll bring it into my personal life. The dramatic aspects, like maybe that's why I love social media videos and like being the real housewives. Yeah, the housewives, like finding the performative aspects of what I like to consume. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe channeling it into that instead of, um, into my friendships. Like, I don't want to bring. Like again, speaking of negativity, I don't want to be in the mud with like dragging someone's name or doing anything yeah. that hurts someone. Hmm. Yeah. There is you also, that. Said, yeah, you said there's an egalitarian aspect, so that's interesting.
0: Yeah yeah um okay now back to your mars so this is such a great conversation it's so free-flowing and i'm I'm enjoying this
1: yeah um, this is great and mars well mars traditionally is war in mm-hmm.
0: yep aries
1: mythology mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: so mars so if you take a look at venus being more of that feminine polarity And again, regardless of what gender you do or do not identify as, um, we do carry both masculine and feminine polarities within us. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to put that out there. Um, So Mars is more of that masculine, um, almost like primal impulse, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: like war and also... Sex sex all
1: right (laughs) that's what i thought you were gonna say (laughs) i was like i know what she's trying to get at
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) and mars it's interesting because mars it's either in detriment or full in cancer i forget which one meaning that mars doesn't necessarily love being in cancer um so oh i literally have in my notes right over here that it in full So Mars isn't comfortable being in Cancer. It's comfortable being in Capricorn, it's comfortable being in Aries because, you know, Aries and Mars, Mars is the ruler of Aries. Um, So there is with this Mars in Cancer, there is going to be this need for security. We we have definitely a, a Cancerian theme here in terms of, you know, family, the home. Um, security, safety, that crab archetype uh, that need to care for and protect others. With that Mars placement, um, again, you're highly sensitive and with that crab, you can definitely be um, defensive if you perceive that you are being threatened.
1: Mm. Definitely. I yeah, um, and
0: I feel
1: like I feel like so many don't see like I don't show this aspect outwardly but if someone um makes me feel uncomfortable or I feel that it's escalating into a fight I sh- I try to shut it down immediately. Like I try to put up my wall and cast out that energy. Like literally mm. say get away from me or yeah in my body language.
0: Hard shell, absolutely. And because it's in that first house, it's that Mars and Cancer is drawn inward towards yourself.
1: Yes, and no, that makes sense. Yeah. Would that also be like protecting or defending others, like who are facing unjust forces?
0: It can be. I see it also as, you know, defending your family, whether that is um, blood or chosen family. Definitely. Yeah,
1: I've definitely spoken up for if I feel that my parents are being um, attacked or like verbally or if there's like a slight that was said against them, I'm very quick to counter that or Mm -hmm. Um, especially with friends that I care for like not this actually just happened to me Sarah and I'm like I said and I even if we weren't recording I wouldn't tell you the name of the person but just because I don't like you don't know them and it wouldn't probably be beneficial but there was someone who I thought we were really cl- like I thought we had developed a friendship and we were growing as friends, but, um, like they recently said to me that I am very sensitive when they critique me, and there was an aspect of like that phrasing of them critiquing me that really sits. Like I said to them, okay, let's just take a pause as a friend as friends because. I think we need to work on our communication style because
0: mm.
1: I, I like to be productive and transparent and honest. Like I strive, I mean, we're friends and you know me, but like, I love to have that conversation, even if it's yeah. a conflict that we're going to resolve it at the oh, other yeah. end.
0: Definitely. But you like, and I-, I
1: never want to critique someone.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just about to say, you and I both have very strong Cancer and Virgo energy in our charts. And, um, you know, both of us throughout the evolution of our friendship and our inner work, we have done a lot of work on setting boundaries. And I always say that boundaries means that I want a relationship with you. You know, if I set a boundary, I want you in my life.
1: Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Andrew Rimby, and I am so excited to be talking about Broadview Press. You might be asking, what is Broadview Press, Andrew? Broadview is an independent academic publisher in the humanities that produces high-quality, pedagogically useful books for use in university and college classrooms. They publish in the humanities, mainly English studies, writing, philosophy, and history, just to name a few genres. And recently, I had on Dr. Jason Holt, who wrote all about the philosophy of sport, and what better summer episode than to talk about what happens when a philosopher dissects the beautiful aesthetics of sporting culture. In the spring, I had on Drs. Kyle Stedman and Tanya Rodriguez to talk about what is sound writing, how to make audio projects in the college classroom, how to even have your students create podcasts. Well you know? and then, like, going forward, you know how to better interact with your friend. I guess when like, when I saw that this person saw me as too sensitive or use the word sensitive when they critique me almost
0: like in a negative way, like, oh, you're in a something- negative
1: way. And I'm thinking, well, and am I, in my opinion, I was defending myself. Like speaking of defending, I was defending myself against accusations that I thought spoke negatively of my passions. Like I'll bring it up because I think it's helpful in this scenario, but it was about the podcast, like the work that I do that I'm so open about my sexuality and my body Mm. and my academic work speaks also to my passions of opening up sexual conversations with the gay community. And this person said, but. And this person is in the gay community and they said, but I don't feel comfortable doing that myself. I feel like you're trying to give a a dictum or give a requirement that all do this. And I said, well, that was never my intention. It's just, this is who I am authentically.
0: There might be some projection there. That's kind of what I'm sensing.
1: Yeah. But it was like you said, boundaries are important. And but like in that scenario, I realized, okay, um it's good for me to take a pause and that's justified like there's nothing wrong with saying okay we might come back into each other's lives eventually but I've apologized for what I thought my my part in the fracturing Well, my part in the fracturing I took a accountability
0: mm-hmm. but we
1: now need a pause if we can't move forward like if you think I'm too sensitive there's aspects of myself that I can't change.
0: Yeah, and you know? I I think that sensitivity is a superpower. So.
1: I feel like we're in right now that the lack of empathy is causing the demise in a lot of our culture. You can
0: say that again, <laughs> yeah.
1: We need to be running on empathy like instead of running on Duncan, we should be running on empathy, <laughs> you know? Yes, well, America okay. runs
0: on empathy.
1: Yeah, but no, thank you. This is this, this helping clarify that situation.
0: Wow, I'm so glad. So we just did the inner planet. So we took a look at the sun, the moon, Mercury, Venus, Mars. Now we are getting into Jupiter. And I know, you know, you know, your uh, Roman mythology and uh, in Greek mythology, uh, Jupiter is associated with Zeus. So Jupiter basically expands whatever it touches. And I think that this is very interesting because if you take a look at your fourth house over here, Mm -hmm. your Jupiter is hugging your son in Virgo in the fourth house. And... I wrote that, you know, you are meant to have this very big identity, this very big son of yours being in Virgo, the sign of service. So being in service through that fourth house of domestic affairs, home and family. So your Jupiter is really magnifying your son, which I think is incredible.
1: So just even expands the Virgo or amplifies that Virgo energy more.
0: Oh, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And like, I already have the 29th degree of the sun in Virgo. So it's like a hyper expansion in a way. Huh.
0: Oh, oh yeah.
1: That's interesting. Definitely. Okay.
0: So... Now let's take a look at your Saturn, and I'm really excited to get into this, because how old are you? Uh, 30. 30. So you just had your Saturn return. Do you know what that is?
1: No, no. Explain it, please.
0: Sure. So, you know we have our birthday every year? (laughs) Mm -hmm. That is your solar return, because the sun is astrologically at where your natal sun is, so... Once a year, we celebrate our birthday, unless you're born on um February 29th, and I don't know what your deal is. <laughs> um, that is your solar return. So basically, you hear a lot about Saturn return. I feel like there's a lot of fear mongering with Saturn return. So basically, in astrological terms, your Saturn return is when transiting Saturn, which takes 29.5 years to go around all the signs of the Zodiac. Saturn stays in each sign, I think like three or three and a half years. And again, Saturn does retrograde, blah, blah, blah. But we have our Saturn return at around age 29.5. And your Saturn, it just makes so much, so much sense. Your Saturn is in Aquarius. And if my thoughts are correct, so Saturn went into Pisces earlier this year. So with your Saturn being at 12 degrees of Aquarius, I think you had your Saturn return exactly around early 2022. Mm-hmm. Um. So what was going on in your life the first half of
1: 2022? Okay. So the first half, Let me think, the spring of 2022, I, oh, yes, yes, that was, like, right when I was teaching a Broadway musical course, I had been feeling a really, a sense of a journey in a way of um, a lot of collaboration in Manhattan, working, um, in a library space in the South Street Seaport for Whitman work with the Whitman initiative, then took my students to Broadway, did like podcast um work with I think that's when it all is blending, but no, that's yeah, okay. That's when I had um a poetry event in Chelsea and Manhattan. Because I know you had come to the Halloween party, but that wasn't until October 2020. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's Pen and Brush. That was, that was yeah. a lot of fun. Because I was huh. at Pen
1: and Brush in February 2022. But yeah, and I think right. that's like when the pandemic, like I was starting to be back in more people's, back in spaces with people again. So right, it was a right. Really... Like
0: really mask mandate was being lifted. Yes. But even yet. like
1: that summer, okay. I... um like went back to Fire Island, but went back by myself. Um, And I feel like I started to learn a lot more about my authenticity, but I was taking chances even with my writing, like taking chances in my writing. And I was starting to really find what my dissertation was, taking the queer male aspect and not shrinking anymore. Like saying, okay, I'm going to claim it. I'm going to... Proclaim it and not be nervous of a repercussion in like the yeah, podcast, yeah. the writing, everything.
0: I love that. I love that you mentioned authenticity because Aquarius is all about authenticity, letting your freak flag fly. And you said you mentioned you know, you're writing your dissertation, and your Saturn is in Aquarius in the ninth house. And the ninth house literally rules higher education. So, this is the perfect placement for a PhD. Okay. Um, Because, as I mentioned, the ninth house, um, again, Sagittarius house, um, so the ninth house rules things such as travel, higher education, philosophy, and Aquarius being a fixed um, air sign is all about radical authenticity um aquarius is a very um humanitarian sign um they've heard this is the dawning of the age
1: of yeah, aquarius. yeah. but um, i was doing a lot of travel too now that i remember i went to san francisco in june of 2022 for the queer history conference but then before that i had been in boston for a po conference it was like all of this travel back in motion and um, Just such like energy of people that I still keep in touch with, like making these new connections with people.
0: Yes. And again, Aquarius also has to do with, you know, improving the lives of others. Aquarius, you know, is that very humanitarian, very social, very extroverted sign. So, Mm. of course. Okay. Um, and I didn't even talk about Saturn, um, but real quick, Saturn rules things such as boundaries, um, wisdom, practicality, time. So it makes so much sense that, you know, you were going through a lot of these themes during that Saturn return era and look at you on the other side of it. It's incredible.
1: Yeah. I mean, I wonder if there's anything that resonates with finishing in the summer of 2023,
0: yeah, again, that that yeah. time, that era, so to speak. Yeah, uh, it, it makes it makes a lot of sense, Doctor. Yeah,
1: well, thank you. But it feels like an era that's come to a close, and there's a new opening happening. Mm,
0: I really I appreciate the way you put that. It makes a lot of sense. Like end of an era, beginning of a new one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, next up is people say Uranus. I say Uranus. I've been saying Uranus since I was a kid. So (laughs) Uranus is, and by the way, we are getting into what I call, um, what astrologers call generational planets, meaning that um, folks in, you know, your generation will have the outer planets in the same sign. So um, for example, my Uranus and Neptune is also in the sign of Capricorn. I think we're like three years apart or something. Um, so a lot of your folks around your age bracket will have um these similar signs. Okay. Um, so I also, you know, do take extra emphasis to, you know, aspects, such as conjunctions, which I'll get into shortly, and houses. And um taking a look at this placement in your eighth house is really interesting because um Uranus is the ruler of Aquarius um, I should also mention that Saturn is the is also a, like a co-ruler of Aquarius but Uranus mm-hmm. is like the modern ruler because Uranus was discovered in the late 18th century around the time of the American Revolution, French Revolution, Haitian Revolution, which makes sense because Uranus is a very revolutionary sign mm-hmm. so, it's interesting because, you know, it is in that sign of Capricorn, and Capricorn is a very serious um, get shit done sign, Um, so very, you know, innovative in practical affairs, and, you know, folks who have this planet in Capricorn, it's like you're bringing new life to more conservative traditions, and especially being in your eighth house makes a lot of sense because the eighth house is a Scorpio house. And if you think of Scorpio and what that planet, I mean, sorry, what that sign represents. um, So putting that together is that freedom of expression and innovation Mm. through taboo, sex, transformation, shadow work, death and rebirth, and also shared inheritance.
1: Mm. Like, Inheritance as in intergenerational or like wealth? Like what kind of inheritance, Sarah?
0: So like shared, um, apologies, shared resources. So it could be, you know, an inheritance from um, someone passing away or more like shared resources. So if Taurus is all about, you know, your own value and like money, Uh, Scorpio is more like shared resource and taxes also fall in the eighth house. God knows why. Um, (laughs) But more of those, you know, Scorpionic, Plutonic themes. um,
1: And this is something that like our generation all shares.
0: So not the um, eighth house, because again, looking at your rising sign, the house might be different, but um, folks born in the early 1990s um, do have this planet in the sign of Capricorn, um, oh, for this, me it's in my fifth house, but oh, for you that's changing.
1: Like you said, bringing new ideas to traditional structures.
0: Yes, in the themes of sex, uh, more mm-hmm. quote-unquote taboo topics. You know, which you you know openly discuss on your podcast, which I just think is so amazing.
1: Well, but that makes sense, even in how we're reconfiguring right now, governmental policies, or like how the millennial generation and Gen Z is really like at the forefront of just rethinking structures. Of it, almost feels like what I assume the nineteen sixties and the seventies counterculture movement. Like I kind of feel like we're back in a counterculture movement right now.
0: I feel that. I you you put that very well. I, I feel that definitely. And going into your Neptune, so if you take a look at the eighth house, the Uranus and Neptune are conjunct, um, in a tight conjunction. There's only a two degree orb, meaning that you know your planet of change, innovation, and um, revolution works very well with the most spiritual sign in the zodiac right um neptune is the ruler of pisces and neptune is all about our spirituality um Mm -hmm. dreams and again i also have neptune in capricorn our generation does it's the way i see it is balancing spirituality with practicality because again capricorn is a very practical sign so it's like grounded spirituality and again with that eighth house energy throughout those transformational themes that we touched on and that Mm. agent of change um works very well with the spiritual component of neptune
1: okay okay yeah no that makes yeah i'm just i'm, I'm taking it in
0: <laughs> i love that i love that wow so lastly well i'm gonna get into your north node and chiron um the last planet because the north node and chiron aren't planets technically Your pluto and pluto is a planet for anyone who is listening i don't want to hear otherwise I was raised on Pluto being a planet, will always be a planet. So Pluto is the planet of death, rebirth, and it doesn't have to be actual death, you know, metaphorical death, ego death, um, and our generation. So anyone out here listening from, and again, with retrogrades, I think it's 1984 to... 1995 because i'm the last i was going to 95 i'm the last year of pluto and scorpio um i know pluto was in sag a little bit then retrograded back in scorpio so i am like the end of pluto and scorpio so Scorpio pluto is the modern ruler of scorpio and pluto scorpio has that double dose of transformation because pluto mm. is in a sign that it feels very comfortable be- being in does that make sense?
2: hmm Yes. Okay, yes,
0: excellent. Yes. So that Pluto in Scorpio is going to, you know, in my opinion, really tear through anything that is inauthentic, and it's, it's interesting for you because your Pluto is in Scorpio in the sixth house, and the sixth house is a Virgo house, so the house of routines, oh. so your transformation your regeneration your you know phoenix rising from the ashes energy is going to come through your routine whether that you know is career um, work what you do from day to day
1: is that why i might be so like invested in a schedule that i keep
0: that could be. I mean, you also have such strong Virgo energy with that Jupiter on your sun. Yeah. yeah.
1: But I'm trying to now let go of some of the Needing it to always be the same every day.
0: Yes. Or, and I think that that's yeah. so important for Virgo placements to do. You know, I'm speaking with um experience. I'm a Virgo moon and rising and a couple other stuff. And it's very hard for us, Virgo placements to surrender the need for control. Because the shadow side of Virgo can be very neurotic, very high strung. Virgo rules the gut. Um, there could be potential for you know, um, gut issues, imbalance in what is it the uh, sacral chakra or solar plexus chakra, um, IBS stuff like that. Yeah. So it's important. No, to- I used to
1: have a lot of headaches. Yeah. Um, I've started easing like my headaches just realizing that there were stressors of that need to always be on or Mm. always be present like it was causing me headaches yeah
0: yes and like what I've really been leaning into more and more is like to pay attention to like when our body is talking to us so for example headaches or you know stomach problems or throat problems It's really important for us to tune in and of course, seek medical assistance, but tune in and see what's going on because our bodies are very finely tuned instruments. It's just, I feel like in our fast paced Western society that has that hustle mentality, we don't take the time to sit and listen.
1: Yeah. It's the mind body connection of self-awareness. Like, oh, I'm feeling this. Maybe it's because. I was too intense doing such and such, or like, I need to listen to my muscle ache. Okay, maybe I should do, um, you know, take it a little easy. Like I used to be, um, so like realizing that my best health and fitness, my best exercises is when I also give myself rest. Like, oh no, something in my body is saying, just stay in, like, take it easy. This is your day to just catch up on some things, watch TV, pick up your book, and it's going to be okay. Like, instead of saying, oh my goodness, I missed my workout and the world is ending. Because then I realized when I go back to work out, I feel so much more refreshed, like of more course, productive. Because you
0: listen to your body, you know, when it's telling you like, let's let's just rest today. Let's take it mm-hmm. easy.
1: Mm-hmm. That's so Yeah, important. that's that intuitive mind body connection like you described
0: Mm, i love it perfect so i want to get into your north node now and the north node is very significant to me hence the name of my account and for those of you who may not know um we have the two nodes of the moon they aren't planets um they are like I'm not a math person, but they're like points on the moon or whatever. Um, The North Node is basically where our soul wants to grow and develop in this lifetime. And it is often not easy working towards our North Node. Whereas our South Node, which is directly opposite the North Node, uh, our South Node is more what we've mastered in the past and in past lives. And the goal is to integrate what we have learned from our south node and bring that energy into our north node.
1: Okay. Okay. So the south node is usually past energy or past, like, strengths. if you past strengths. Okay. Is it connected to a past life?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. It can be.
1: Okay and then so now when i'm looking at my chart and it says a true node
0: right that's the same thing as the north node i um
1: could have specified oh that. okay okay
0: no i'm glad you um i'm glad you asked and it is very interesting because your north node is over here at 25 degrees of sagittarius in your seventh house of relationships oh. so your soul's purpose Is to find expansion and philosophy through significant relationships and in business partnerships and or in business partnerships. Because the seventh house rules relationships of any kind, even, you know, friendships, but, you know, those intimate relationships.
1: Yeah, romantic relationships too, right? Okay.
0: Absolutely. Um, so conversely, taking a look at your north node, it's um actually very interesting because your north node would be here very close to the ascendant, meaning that in the past and in past lives, right, you have mastered that quote unquote gift of gap, so to speak, that Gemini communication energy, as we've established with your ascendant, communication comes excuse me, very naturally to you in that first house of self. So it's moving, moving away from and using what we've learned about communication and more solitary communication and integrating that more into philosophy and academia, which you're doing and you've done, but more so with others.
1: Okay. Okay. So I feel that though, because I feel like my, what I'm really trying to process, excuse me, You're good. <laughs> for everyone out there, I had some watermelon, um, <laughs> but I feel like I'm trying to really process um, how to give in not give in but how to let the guard down i would say when it comes to um intimate relationships like trusting someone
0: Mm, Uh, absolutely that's
1: huge with that seventh house energy very yeah. yeah and i feel like something in my gut is saying like my next step, I've even been thinking. So it's so interesting you mentioned this, Sarah, before we sat down, I've like the last week, two weeks, just there's a feeling that um, like my next step is to connect my work life with something romantic, like having a romantic connection. And for the a while, I've just been putting off the romance.
0: Oh, like I've had my,
1: right, but I had my friends, and, like, I feel like I'm able to work through friendship and work. But when it comes to romance and work, I always was like pushing the romance, the intimacy away. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And I think it's because I don't really know how to trust myself with the romance. Like, I'm really worried about, um, I mean I think everyone's worried it's not you're not, it's not going to work out but I feel that I have to just give into allowing myself now to be open to you know being intimate and romantic with mm-hmm. men and like you know cuz I have a good I feel like now I have a comfortable relationship with men whether it be friends or just like you know friends with benefits but when it mm-hmm. comes to like actual dating um, I've just said, oh, no, no, it'll happen like finish your PhD, like, you know, focus on your career. That's what's no, most I'm important. In, I'm
0: in a very, very similar boat as you because it's it's
1: very vulnerable. As a Long Islander, I was so excited when I finally found a med spa that totally matched everything I wanted. I was looking for a good facial place, a good place that had skin products, and guess what? In my hometown now of Port Jeff Village, there is SkinMed Spa, and I'm here with the owner, Lauren, who's going to explain to you all what kinds of services are offered, products that are offered, and you know why you should come to skin Med Spa if you're in the Long Island or New York City area.
2: Well, we wanted to open up a place that was offering all holistic natural treatments that were really providing results driven um, where someone could come in, maybe struggling with acne and has tried so many different products and they couldn't find what's right for them. So we customize all treatments to really help you dive into your skincare goals, whether it's anti-aging, rejuvenation, like I said, acne just to help with cellular turnover, focus on building healthy skin. Um, We have two locations. We have Skin SkinMent Spa and Body right here in Port Jeff Village. And again, we focus on all natural plant-based skincare. We'll help you design a good custom skincare line for you and we'll help you find the right treatments, whatever your skin needs. Yeah.
1: So Lauren and Sarah, they know that I I yep. get a cupping here. I get hydrofacials with Rosie. I get Jet Peel facials with Lauren. Everything here is so wonderfully curated, like Lauren said. And there's just any kind of product. Oh, I know there's now laser hair removal. I mean, there's always a new product being offered. So Everyone out there who's listening, if they want to come to Skin Med Spa in Port Jeff Village, how can they find you and get in touch?
2: We're really active on social media. So at Skin Med Spa PJ on Instagram, that's the best way you could probably find us because we really try to post daily updates of our clients and who's coming in and the treatments that we're doing. Um, And of course, on our website, there's always links down how to book an appointment. But everything we do when you call us, that's always the best way. We answer the phone and we'll talk forever and help you find whatever is perfect for you.
1: Okay, well, hopefully Lauren gets to meet you all, say that you heard Skin Med Spa's ad on the Ivory Tower Boiler Room, and maybe I'll see you all here. Okay.
3: Sounds good. Bye. Thank you. Hey, Ivory Tower Boiler Room listeners and true crime friends. You've heard me gush over this incredible woman and her beautiful products. I'm talking about Mandy Made It. Mandy makes customized and original crochet and cut goods. They are the perfect, unique, one-of-a-kind gift for literally anyone in your life. And she makes incredible home decor. I still have my pumpkins that I put out every fall. I just love them. Check her out on Instagram at M-A-N-D-E-E made it. Or search Mandy Made It on Facebook. To order, just slide into her DMs. And if you mention the Ivory Tower Boiler Room, you will receive a free personalized gift with your first order. So, go on Instagram and look up at Mandy Made It. And Mandy is spelled M-A-N-D-E-E. Again, her handle is at Mandy Made It. Mandy spelled M-A-N-D-E-E, and ordered today.
1: Hi, everyone. This is Andrew, and I am interrupting what I know is such an exciting Ivory Tower Boiler Room episode to tell you all about one of my favorite podcasts. It's called That Old Gay Classic Cinema, and it's hosted by Christian Garcia. Christian is joined with guest co-hosts to talk about classic cinema films that we know and love and... He analyzes them through a queer lens. So he's talked about The Sound of Music, Alfred Hitchcock, The Wizard of Oz, Sleeping Beauty, 101 Dalmatians, and recently Hello, Dolly! I actually was on his first ever episode to talk about my love of the sound of music and playing Captain Von Trapp in my high school musical. Then I was joined with Mary DePippi, the host of True Crime and Academia, and our friend Travis Roundtree to talk about Alfred Hitchcock's vertigo. Mary just had Christian on True Crime and Academia to talk about Female poisoners, including the evil queen from Snow White and actual real life female poisoners. So, Christian's podcast is the best. You must add it to your listen list. After you listen to this episode, make sure you head over to That Old Gay Classic Cinema on Apple and Spotify. Make sure you follow him on Instagram at That Old Gay Classic Cinema. And he's also on TikTok. Don't forget TikTok. Okay. I can't wait for you you all to listen to that old gay classic cinema. And now back to the ivory tower boiler room. Mm -hmm. To
0: share a piece of yourself with someone else and have that person, you know, can have the potential to break your heart, but it's like, you yeah. will yeah. never know if we don't try. What's that saying? Like it's better to have loved and lost than never. But I'm literally like very similar to you, Andrew. So I completely yeah.
1: Well, and I think I'm so I'm so nervous that like, and I realize that it's not true, or that it's something that I've really concocted in my mind. But I thinking that if I get very intimate romantically. That it'll somehow take me away from my business and career, like they'll, like um, that I'll lose that identity of myself. Yeah, and I know that the person that I'll, the person that I will be with, will support each other's career. It's just hard for me to, um, like I know that that's rational, but I'm mm-hmm. acting on instinct of okay, like putting this wall up almost of
0: yeah that that I, I, like yeah crab that crab energy that tough shell exterior
1: i know yeah. well and i think that um i definitely i am independent but at the same time i think on the outward appearance people see me as very very like they see me as very self sufficient and independent but when it which is very helpful in business and it's helpful in friend like friendships like to support yeah, being one able another to hold
0: your own, yeah
1: but when it comes to romance i think that there's been men where they think that i'm i don't need to be in a relationship like i'm right. not looking for that
0: right you know i i, I get that i get that
1: yeah cuz i look at others around me and i think wow they're always like they always are finding partners. But then I also realize that they're deciding to take a chance on dating. And I think I'm still trying to work through what dating will look for look like for me, like even if it's an open relationship, like I still I know that I'll need communication with whoever is my partner. And I think I'm ready. I do feel like, though this is now the next stage. Like this is, like you said, the Saturn return happened. I feel like my next stage now is love and career.
0: Oh yeah. And also, you know, adding on, taking a look at the degree. So your nodes are at 25 degrees and then taking a look at your, um, Venus being at 26 degrees. So Venus, the planet of love, does aspect your nodes of fate so to speak so that definitely is a theme we see in the seventh house
1: as well as venus aspects in your nodes yeah and then is the south node readable like are you able to see what the south node is
0: the south node i don't know why it doesn't show up on this chart but your south node is always right opposite of your um North north node so i had to think about that for a second because gemini and sagittarius are opposite each other in the zodiac so as i mentioned you know you you have mastered that communication piece you have a very strong mercury right we established that mercury in libra um, very diplomatic here's all sides out um So it's, again, like integrating that Gemini energy of the self, right? That first house that is very, I'll do it on my own. You know, I got Mm -hmm. this. Very, you know, self-sufficient and integrating that into relationships with others. And intimate relationships is definitely a seventh house theme.
1: Yeah, I feel that... um so many say, oh, you're so good at communicating or you know how to make things happen with collaborations and networking. Um, so that all really resonates. It's, um, yeah, that resonates. I'm just now thinking, okay, I think it's time for me to give a chance, to take a chance on love. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: But I also am a firm believer in, what's that saying is like, what's for you will not pass you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like you're saying what intimate relationships means to each person is different. Like it doesn't have to just be marriage related or. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Now that's interesting. I'm just thinking yeah. about what would happen if like someone's North node was Gemini and. Um. Like if they were able to master the relationships, but work on communication, like whether I, that could really affect your intimacy.
0: It could. I have something similar. Um, again, my North node is in Scorpio and my South node is in Taurus. But with the houses, my North node is in the third house, which is a Gemini house. And then my South node is in ninth, the ninth house, which is um, a Sag house. So the Mm -hmm. way I interpret that is like, I have mastered like the philosophy component, like the travel, the higher ed, like higher education. And it's like my north node, my destiny to like, kind of like come down to earth and like have more of that Gemini component. Like, again, the Gemini Sagittarius axis is the teaching and learning axis, so Whether, you know, your nodes are by sign, you know, gem and sag in your case, or by house, third and ninth house, it has to do with that, you know, perpetual teaching and learning relationship. So, integrating, like, this, like, esoteric knowledge in a more tangible, I think that's the word I'm looking for, tangible way, if that makes sense.
1: Okay, Okay. that does make sense. I'm glad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So I have one more left, and okay. um, Chiron is not a planet, it is an asteroid. Are you familiar with the mythology of Chiron?
1: I remember Chiron, but I feel like it has something to do with the beginning, or um, it's a, it's not like the beginning stage of the creation of life like does that have something to do with the foundation of planets or i don't know why i keep thinking it has something to do with creation
0: it could potentially my understanding of chiron is he was a centaur, so he was half man half horse
1: okay okay
0: and um basically you know he was very wounded mm. but his wound was like his biggest avenue of healing and in you know astrology chiron is you know referred to as the quote-unquote wounded healer so it's like Um, we all have a wound in our chart right so it's mm-hmm. important, you know, to look at aspects, you know, for example, my Chiron's said my first house conjunct my Mars in Virgo. So, you know, my ability to, you know, take primal action, like there is some wounding there, but once I work through that, that's going to be my biggest strength. And Virgo, you know, is a very healing sign, but going back to you, because this yeah. is your birth chart reading, your Chiron is in Leo. And yeah, this is your only, planet uh ah, sorry it's not a planet but um because i know you said that you know your moon had you been born a few hours later you would have your moon in leo but your moon is not in leo but um your chiron is over here at 19 degrees leo in your third house and basically there could be a wound in excuse me Your creativity, because Leo is all about um, self-expression, being authentic. Um, Has your creative urge ever been shut down?
1: Oh, yeah. I definitely have had moments where I've questioned my creativity Mm -hmm. or even felt like a blockage because of the noise around me.
0: Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. And with your um Chiron being in your third house, it's interesting. Um, I recall you mentioning earlier that you are an only child. Um, mm-hmm. I did know that, and it ties into this because um the third house does rule siblings. So mm-hmm. um there I wrote in my notes only child's question mark, communication issues question mark because the third house also rules um communication. So have you ever had growing up, you know, issues with in addition to creativity, issues with speaking out or speaking your truth?
1: Oh yeah. I think um like I was bullied a lot in elementary into middle school.
0: For being especially
1: yeah for being my authentic self. Like I was bullied so much in middle school for doing ballet and theater and reading even like just doing things that other adult uh I guess they were pre-adolescent, but that young that boys thought I was not doing the traditional ma like what they saw as traditional masculine activities. Like I wasn't in sports or um mm-hmm. yeah that I was going more into the creative arts. So That definitely, I can recall that. And um, yeah, I think any time that, like this wound, like you're saying with Chiron, um, that wound in creativity, um, I can feel it, like I can start to get flashbacks of that time of bullying when I feel that I know what my authenticity is, but others around me are trying to bring me down because um they think that I should be adhering to the status quo or I'm, you know, too um, you know, too happy or too uh jubilant or excited um or even, you know, just living my truth. like I'm not putting on the mask. I think it's more about not. Adhering to pressure um, Mm. of peers, pressure of peers, I would say.
0: For sure, for sure. And, you know, with that Chiron, it's, you know, as I mentioned, our biggest wound, but also our greatest, greatest um, source of healing. So with this placement, you know, you and I see you doing this, you know, with your role as an instructor, uh, as a professor and, you know, podcaster. You are literally teaching others because the third house rules teaching that teaching others to find their authentic voice.
1: Mm. Yeah, I feel that that's been something that I'm now very um, take pride in is that there are people who reach out to me that they see themselves. And they know that they can take a chance in their authenticity. Um mm, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, that definitely resonates. Oh, and I saw that I was thinking of Chiron's father, Kronos, who was oh, Kronos. one of the yeah. Titans. Who like yeah. the Titans. The Titans were the first generation in mythology, as you know, probably, who yeah. like overthrew Zeus or Kronos overthrew Zeus, but they were like at the beginning of the creation of yeah. um. I forget if they call it Earth, but no, then they would have called it. um, And
0: there was uh, chaos.
1: Chaos. Yes, yes, yes. And like how planets were formed and. um, Yeah, how the heavens were created, I think it would be the heavens. But yeah, that's what I was thinking of.
0: (laughs) Yes, indeed. Wow. So that was absolutely lovely.
1: Yeah, no, that was wonderful. Thank you, Sarah.
0: Oh, my pleasure.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that was great. I feel that um, I gained a lot of knowledge about all the different aspects of my houses, like where everything aligns, um, and like just now reflecting on what to do with this information and being aware of these energies. It's very helpful.
0: Absolutely. like I always I see astrology as, you know, a guidebook in understanding ourselves, understanding our soul and, you know, not becoming obsessed with it, but really using it as, you know, a roadmap to help us understand ourselves in a deeper, more holistic view,
1: yeah. it's almost like the way that I see crystals or mindfulness mantras that. Like, it's a reminder of what intentions we want out of our day. Not that it's a... Because I think the general public, they think that it's a destiny. Like, okay, if I have this crystal, it'll automatically transfer into this energy. But it's no, not but it magic.
0: Amplifies. Yeah, no. Yes. No, no, no. It also crystals too, you know, just like a st- it's about intention. Like, you can have all the crystals in the world, but unless you're putting intention into them, you
1: know? No, exactly. Like the intention, that's how I feel with astrology is like what you've taught me, Sarah, is the intention of knowing this knowledge and okay, I'm going to work towards intimate relationships or I'm going to be aware of this is how I interact with society and Mm -hmm. just being cognizant of that. And yeah, it's, it's another tool in my toolkit. The astrological they're
0: knowledge. All tools. Absolutely. Astrology, Tarot, crystals. They're they're all tools.
1: hmm Yeah, they're not it's not a like um,
0: a panacea.
1: No, exactly. Exactly. It's it's not a dose of medicine you take and it automatically changes your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Sarah. This was just, this was great. And I, you know, hope everyone out there definitely um, follow Sarah at NorthNode.alignment. And I know, Sarah, how can they get in touch with you to, like, experience what I did, to have their birth chart read and have this actual one-on-one encounter?
3: Sure. So if you are
0: interested in booking a needle chart reading, a transit reading or a sinistry reading. A sinistry would be me looking at your chart and a partner's chart or um, a loved one. Um, you can find me on Instagram or in the most active at northnode.alignment or you can send me an email at northnode.alignment at gmail.com. I am also recently on TikTok as well, northnode.alignment. Although I would say that Instagram is my main and preferred social media platform at this time
1: great okay well i'm going to share that out with everyone here and um we'll share out clips from this and um just so appreciate you allowing me to release this but also um this deeply it just resonated and i feel that every person who does this with you sarah they'll get to learn more about Thank Um, you. Like what they're going through right now. Like it it starts to make sense how they can um, journey forward, especially for me now. I'm feeling more the obstacles that are in front of me, but I know now that I can wade through them with this knowledge.
0: Absolutely. And I say like astrology should empower you, you
1: know? Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, thank you, Sarah. I hope you have a good night and um, yeah. Everyone out there, please go to northnode.alignment on Instagram. Thank you
0: so much, Andrew. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's been a real treat.
1: Of course, of course. Well, and I know there's so many listening to this who are in the wellness, holistic medicine and astrology themselves. Um, You know, feel free to reach out to me, reach out to Sarah. I'm sure maybe this is just part of my... uh, you know, ascendant Gemini, but I would love the communication to continue. And, like, let's bring these communities together. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Right, bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. This is Andrew Rimby, the host and director of the Ivory Tower Boiler Room podcast. I am joined with Mary DePippi, our chief contributor and host of True Crime and Academia. Please, if you're not, make sure that you follow the Ivory Tower Boiler Room and True Crime and Academia on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok, too. Remember our TikTok? That's where all the exciting video clips are posted. Make sure that you join our Patreon if you want more Ivory Tower Boiler Room and true crime and academia content. All the video interviews are on our Patreon. All of our bonus episodes are on Patreon. And it just means so much for you to join. For $5 a month, you unlock all of our bonus episodes. And also it just helps support the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Thank you so much for giving Mary and I a needed jolt of caffeine for coffee. Thanks for the $5. Head to patreon.com slash Ivory Tower Boiler Room. We cannot wait for you all to listen to our summer season. There are so many exciting episodes and we're also celebrating three years of the Ivory Tower Boiler Room podcast. So. Without further ado, thanks for listening. Make sure you listen to the next episode next week and have a wonderful summer season, everyone. Okay. Bye now.